3: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 to 3 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
5: This
0: is the best of the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. You just heard the man. This is the Doug Gottlieb show. Doug was in for Dan Patrick earlier today. Hope you guys and girls enjoyed doug with uh, with Dan Byer f- filling in for Dan Patrick. But as they just told you, Aaron Torres, Rich Orenberger in today. We are broadcasting live from the Tirec.com studios. Tirec.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. Tirec.com, the way tire buying should be. Rich Orenberger. Yeah,
5: ma'am.
6: You know, we've done a lot of these. Uh, you know, you live in San Diego, I should say. Yep. Uh, beautiful San Diego. We've done a lot of these. You know, when you're in San Diego, I'm in LA. But you are in LA today. Uh, rumors maybe trying out for the Rams. I don't know if that's true or yeah, not. They're right. looking for bodies. <laughs> you know, they might be
5: trading Jalen Ramsey for picks. But what's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah. If they're looking for dead bodies, I, I, there's <laughs> no chance uh, I can put on football pads and ever do that again. It's it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be in Los Angeles. Love being up this way. Spend a lot of weekends up here. Obviously working with Steve but happy to be here with you, especially on the I guess we would call it all-star game hangover, right? Monday after all-star game. I watched a lot of that last night. I know you're a hoops fan. I'm so curious what your thoughts are on what we what we witnessed last night and and, and moving forward, what needs to be done, if anything
6: so uh, it is I'll say this it it is a a busy it it was a weirdly busy weekend um, but obviously the all-star game was last night and you know I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this but I mean I had it on in the background but I you know I wasn't sitting there with a notepad and pen uh, and I think it speaks to where we are with this all-star game Um, you know over the last couple years it's you know I would argue devolved uh, you know from what it once was final score last night was a lot to a little. I think it was like 100. Jason Tatum I know set the record uh, uh, 55 points for Jason Tatum, a 184-75 win. So we're talking almost 400 points in that game. So you said first of all, l- let me just plain and simple. Not here to be negative, glasses half full. You said you watched it. Uh what 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 allowed you like like what made you tune in as long as you did in this game?
5: Yeah, well, I was I had people over at uh, my in-laws house, oh, okay, okay, you know, so, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you're kind of sitting down with folks that you don't see a lot, it's nice to have something on in the background. Okay. And, uh, and, and it really, it became kind of the star of the night it, it, really mainly to make fun of it. Okay. The NBA all-star game is laughable. The, okay. the NBA all-star game, it look here, here's the reality of the situation. It It's not basketball anymore. It's just basically a bunch of guys trying to kill the clock by doing goofy stuff, whether it's banging it off the backboard and open it to themselves, or, you know, it's a dunk contest for the first half. And then the guys get bored with that. And so it turns into a three point contest in the second half. And then it turns into a, a mid court. Let's see who can splash from mid mid court. Um, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's, it's actually beyond ridiculous, that's how far it's gotten from an actual game. Now, if you're just there in person to meet some of these athletes, sure. to get close to the game, and like you're on site in Utah, I could understand how exciting all of that would be. But the game itself, I mean, we're 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 barely talking about a product. I forget his name, but whoever was the coach you spoke out last night. I think Mike Malone. It was Mike Malone. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike Malone spoke out last night and literally said um, that was the worst basketball game I've ever seen. And then they the follow up was, "What can you do about it?" He goes, "I don't know if anything can be done." I mean, that's that's how how damning the reaction to it was from you know an X's and O's standpoint. A, a coach who has been in this game his whole life. For me as a fan, I just look at it as like there's there's really nothing there for me. Yes. Um. I've watched the NBA since I was a kid. I grew up during the Jordan years. I loved how competitive the league was then, and it's been the game has changed significantly since then. And so obviously we're at where we're at, and a lot of players are concerned with their safety, and they don't want to perform the tasks they're they're being able or they're being asked to perform. So they've got to make a change because that was that was barely watchable.
6: So I so I find that interesting because obviously the reason. That the Pro Bowl has turned into such a well, I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, uh I don't know. I don't know what you call it. It's, it's not a game. It's whatever it is is because of player safety, and I get that. We all remember the the Sean Taylor video of him, you know, knocking out the punter. It's like, okay, I understand why Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or whomever doesn't want to put themselves at risk in a exhibition game. Are we really that worried about injury? Like, like I guess my question is. Are we that worried? But then also, I guess the first question is, how did we get here? And then the second question is, like, is this salvageable? Because I, I think about this weekend and, you know, we 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 put in the, the draft because the draft was supposed to be the big thing that gets everybody interested. OK, who's going to go last? Like, that was the interest of putting in the draft four or five years ago. Now Adam Silver, who I've talked very publicly about, I don't whatever. I'm not a big Adam Silver guy. Now they changed the draft rule because nobody wants to be picked last. So the draft isn't, you know, the draft was put in to spice this thing up. The Elam ending was put in to spice this thing up, and nothing will. Is this just a byproduct of this era where players just, and and I'm not blaming NBA players, I'm just stating it as a fact. Like, this is the era where, you know, I don't play every night. I don't show up every night. I'm not going to show up to this All-Star game. Is there anything that can be done to salvage this? Because it wasn't that long ago. I heard Nick Wright, who was filling in for Colin, talking about this, uh, you know, right before we came on air. I, I, I've I've seen a video clip that's gone viral the last probably 24 hours of the late Kobe Bryant talking about, you know, probably four or five years ago before he passed about this meant something to us. We It, it was it, we, I think his almost exact quote was it's the greatest players in the world playing a pickup game and we wanted to put on the greatest show possible. It's very clear that it does not matter to these players not in the way it used to. Is there some way to salvage this? Because like, like when you said you, you watched a lot of it, I was surprised only to find out that as you said it was kind of on as a background thing and then to make fun of, that was why I had to turn it off was because every year I go in saying it's going to be so cool to see all these guys on the same court and then you realize about 90 seconds in, It's not going to be very fun to watch. Yeah,
5: and it wasn't. It It was fun to make fun of. Like, there was a point where Jason Tatum hit, like, I don't know, six of eight threes because he was only attempting three points uh, shots at one point and then there was one moment where him and Jalen Brown who obviously were on different teams because captains choose teams as opposed to being east and west mm-hmm. now um, were were basically man-on-man one-on-one they were ISOing those two to see the Celtic stars kind of duel that was kind of a neat moment but I mean we're talking about we're talking about legitimately two minutes of gameplay yes over the course of a three and a half hour television event i remember i was in the kitchen talking to my mother-in-law helping get things organized for the meal we were all having ordering pizza and then i was thinking oh this game's gonna be like over by the time i get in there it was halftime wow it was halftime i walked in there it was halftime and then halftime was like 30 minutes they had a full production and they ended up having kareem and carl malone and lebron out the one two three in terms of career points and honored lebron's achievement recently and then the game the game resumed and yeah the second half i just spent the whole time just kind of laughing to myself like yeah remembering back to those days where it was kobe and it was jordan and it meant something Yeah, here's the truth. The ship is too far from shore. And I'm not the type of person who really reminisces on the good old days and says, yeah, well, we got to get back to that. No, you got to change. You have to change. This has been going on for more than half a decade now where players don't want to play, where they're putting in a half-hearted effort, and it looks awful. So... Instead of just keeping on banging your head against this wall, do what the NFL did. Just admit, yeah, it's no longer a game. it's an it's it's a it's an experience. We're gonna set up dribbling contests. We're gonna set up, I mean, whatever. I mean, play beer pong with these guys. It'll be more competitive than what it looked like last night. Do anything other than play a basketball game because guess what? these guys do not want to play a basketball game and they're making damn sure that everybody in the building and everybody watching at home knows it. It's no secret. It hasn't been a secret for a while. Um, it's a, it's a broken game. So there's no fixing it at this point. I think you just have to sort of throw away the old thought process of what an all-star game is supposed to look like, be like, feel like, and create something new. I'm I'm wondering, you know, first of all,
6: like they have the skills competition on all-star Saturday night. Like Does it just end on All-Star Saturday night? But then you don't see a lot of... I mean, some of the... You know, Giannis was at the dunk contest. uh, Donovan Mitchell was there. But a lot of these guys don't go to the dunk contest. And so, I mean, I guess, you know, it's a great... Listen, I'll say this. It's a great event weekend for the NBA, a showcase for the NBA. But, I mean, does LeBron James show up if there's no game? Does, you know, fill in the blank, whoever, uh, Kevin Durant show up if there's no game? I don't know. And, And I'll just say, you know... I always say this, but I, I when I come on air, I like to have answers. You know, this is the problem. This is how you solve it. I I don't want to eliminate the game because I, I, I do still think like, – like, I criticize the NBA a lot. I love watching Kevin Durant when he's locked in. I love watching Kyrie when he's locked in, uh, uh, whoever, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Giannis. But like you said, the players don't care – It makes it hard for us to care. So I just, I don't know what the answer is. I genuinely don't.
5: I'll tell you what, like they're telling you in that game what they want to do. Like, so the NFL looked at the game. They're like, they're basically playing flag football. So I don't know the PA and the commissioner must sat down and said, yeah, well, maybe we should, maybe we should just play flag football and we'll change it in a year if it really doesn't work. But. Like I was watching them take half court shots, I was thinking, man, wouldn't it be interesting instead of in in lieu of an All Star Game, if you had at some point during a, a a few event long circus have half court shooting half court shooting contests? It's separate from the three point contest. Maybe I mean I watched Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown square off against each other. Maybe you could do something where it's a million dollar call out where you have. All-stars from opposing sides call each other out for a quick one-on-one and whoever scores on who or best of whatever to up to two minutes, um, you know, a, a charity of their choice gets as, as, as many millions as baskets they score and the other player has to pay it. Because we're talking about guys making $40 million a year anyways. You know, we're talking about guys who are at the literally tippy top of the mountain. They're all studs you know outside of maybe a rookie who is making his first appearance you know what I'm saying it's like these are let's put some skin in the game let's make this interesting let's make it fun I, I, I just, that's what was missing to me. These guys looked bored. They didn't look like they were having fun. This wasn't stoking any sort of competitive <laughs> spirit. It just sort of looked like they were biding time until this Elam scoring, you know, farce of a game was over with. And then they could go back to, you know, their lives and their wives and their girlfriends and their friends and celebrate the rest of the weekend before getting back to their normal scheduled season.
6: Yeah, Mike Malone said, worst basketball game ever, don't know if you can fix it. Jalen Brown called it a layup line. Two quick thoughts. One, I've long thought, I've actually thought this for the dunk contest, is do create some charity component to it. Find some sponsor that'll say, hey, you know, LeBron, is that window has has sailed, but Zion, John Morant, a million dollars to a charity of your choice, you know, courtesy of verizon or whatever um so i think that would be the way to do it is bring in some kind of charity component i saw the uh the the ill-fated it didn't work in the mlb i i saw home court advantage in the finals i would love to see it but then you know what would happen in two years people would start complaining about that on so oh come on so the warriors can't get home court advantage because demar derozan hit a three-pointer at the buzzer you know so that didn't work but then the most important thing rich and we know what the truth is comes down to brand. Guys don't want to do anything to hurt their brand. So I don't think they would take part in a one-on-one contest or a half-court shooting contest or a dunk contest.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerack.com/sports to see their Firestone test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerack.com/sports tirerack.com, the way tire buying should be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast.
7: Is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
4: This is Uncanny USA. He
6: says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
4: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
2: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
6: I don't even know if it's on again, off again. It's just constant drama with the Green Bay Packers, and it has not slowed down at all. Even as Aaron Rodgers has been literally off the grid, I, I don't know if it was ever confirmed where this darkness tr- retreat was. Do we know? Like, is he in like uh, the Himalayas, or like, <laughs> like, does he have a Sherpa with him? Like, I don't know if that has ever been established. But he's been away for a while, and you can. I think you kind of get the vibe that it's just starting to wear on everybody around him, except maybe for Aaron Rodgers. And I bring it up because we got a very interesting report this week. So uh, Ty Dunn, who has been uh, on these airwaves, I've I've had him on as a guest on my show really good. He writes for go T- com and he hosts a podcast. Well, over the weekend, he had Bob McGinn, long time, long time Packers beat writer. Bob McGinn had something very interesting to say on this podcast. He said, talking about the Packers' relationship with Aaron Rodgers, he said, they are done with Rodgers, Bob McGinn said. He said the discussions discussions are with someone with first-hand knowledge essentially saying why they're done, and then he said he's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him and done with him, and they're moving on. Yeah. Do you buy? Well, it's just... I'm just going to give you the floor. Rich Orenberger, your take on any – take the Aaron Rodgers angle anywhere you want
5: because it's fascinating. The floor is yours. Well, the, the reality of Aaron Rodgers is I like his honesty. I think that this, as media people and fans, we always want to be closer to the players. Like, we want to have access. And I remember as a player, it is – Every general manager, every coach's worst nightmare to have your players speaking openly and honestly about virtually anything. Like I remember when I was in New England, it was basically explained to us that the media was our enemy. They can't do anything good sure. for us. They're there to do their job. We're not trying to actively make it harder for them to do their job, but we're not giving them anything. And, and that was sort of our marching orders. And I remember when I transitioned away from football and began broadcasting, thinking like, well, that doesn't really serve the players all that well. Because oh, yeah. when when social media started really blossoming into what it's become, and some of it's bad, but some of it's great because you get to see the philanthropic things that players do. You get to see a player's personality that you may not have gotten to know. I mean, think about Pat McAfee. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy has launched a brand around who he has expressed himself to be on social media and different channels. And he's, he's become a successor as a result of it. This is a punter, you know, who Good has call. skyrocketed to the position he is in the, in media now. I mean, so I think it's a great thing when we have access to these players and Aaron Rodgers actually gives us access. Now, look, do I agree with every single word he's ever spoken? No. Do I think that he can be perceived as, as difficult? Absolutely. But he's also one of those players who he's nearing 40. He's nearing retirement. How close? I don't exactly know. I don't even know if he knows. And, and maybe part of this darkness retreat is to figure out those answers and what essentially is going to make him the happiest, walking away from the game and in his current state or trying again, either with the Packers or a different team. Who knows what his thought process will be. But my, my thought is I like the honesty. Because even if you find out things you don't like – isn't it better to know than to not know? Oh, for sure. So for everybody who like gets on Aaron Rodgers, like, Oh, I'm tired of hearing from him. I'm not, I want to hear everything Aaron Rodgers wants to say, because it's the only thing that it's everything that everybody's asked for, for all these years. Now, in terms of the Packers and Packers fans, I can understand the frustration, and this is frustrating. And for Aaron to string everybody along as he figures this out personally, it stinks for them. There's no question about it. I'm sure there's players in the locker room who feel the same way. But, um, but um yeah, quick, I, I appreciate the honesty. Real quick, do you think there are players in the locker room that feel the same way? Because I think
6: it's easy for us as the consumer. But I think most people, mo- most of those guys in the locker room, kind of know where their bread is buttered, right? Like, I'll give you an example. So I remember when NIL came in college sports, and people were like, well, how are are you going to deal with the quarterback making a million dollars but the backup offensive guard making nothing? And it's like, well, 100,000 people show up to watch Bryce Young. They don't show up to watch the backup offensive guard. So I'm guessing he probably in some way, shape, or form understands. So I guess what I would say is, and there's no way to know the answer, How much of the locker room do you think is annoyed by this versus just this is the cost of playing on a team with Aaron Rodgers, but when we have Aaron Rodgers, we're pretty darn good. I know they weren't great this year, they missed the playoffs, lost in Week 17 at Lambeau, but... I I do. How much of the locker room really is just annoyed by this and how much of it is just he's a lot better than the alternative because whether it's Jordan Love, whether it's drafting somebody, whether it's signing a free agent, at least I know I have a Hall of Famer on my side when he's in this building.
5: Oh, yeah, there's no doubt that there's a a large faction of players who realizes intangibly he's one of the greatest players that's ever played the game and still is operating at a high level last season withstanding because the second half – as he got used to some of these talents, these new talents around him, especially in the receiving core, it looked better. Um, but there's definitely players, I, can t- I can't I can tell you for sure, but I, I, I can give you a comparison. When Tom Brady had Jimmy Garoppolo as a backup for years, there came a point, and I know this, because I spoke to some of those players in that locker room, where there were Patriots players who were pretty well satisfied seeing the reins be handed off to Garoppolo. Hmm. And there came the point where it sounded like Tom was being offered for trade. If you read the uh, the Wickersham article about the 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 fissure between Tom Brady and the TB12 method and the Patriot way. And that was a really well done piece. And then I went back and talked to some of my guys in New England and just sort of double checked that a lot of that, that I was reading was accurate. And a lot of it was. Mm, yeah. There was this huge f- fracture in the locker room. Well, they shipped off Garoppolo, and that really sort of that really sort of quelled this, like, divide that was occurring where there were certain players who were like, yeah, I mean, if it's going to be Garoppolo, we're going to be fine because at practice he was balling out. Sure. Well, who knows what Jordan Love is at practice? I don't know. You don't know, but Packers players can see it, and maybe there's some excitement about seeing the young guy get an opportunity. I guarantee he has some guys in his camp who say, yeah, Aaron's great, but wouldn't it be great to see if Jordan Love's got the, the goods? We'll find out. Or maybe we won't next season. But the point is, I am sure there are some players who are like steadfast in their belief that if Aaron comes back, we have a chance to win a championship. And if he doesn't, we don't. Yes. But then there are going to be some players who are like... Yeah, Aaron, man, it, it give the give the young man a, a chance. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. Just move on. I, I I bet you the locker room is somewhat divided. They're not going to speak about it publicly. Sure, they're going to handle their business in house. But I would guarantee there are differing opinions on all that.
6: I'll say this is I remember during the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers transition, and and it's just so funny how history is so clearly repeated itself here. But I remember being on Team Favre during that time. I'm like, if he gives you a chance to win a championship. Stick with him because you don't know what the alternative is. And I kind of still feel that way with Aaron Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Um, real quick, if you were the GM of the Packers, not what you think is gonna happen, but what would you do? Because I I do think there is it's frustrating. I get it. But you're two years removed from being the number one seed. You know, you win the division, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, you get a first-round buy, which matters more now because only one team gets it. You're literally. You know, 13 or 14 months removed from that. On top of that, we know about the division. Chicago's a mess. They're going to have the number one pick. The The NFC just feels so wide open. I don't believe that Brock Purdy is going to be ready for week one. We don't know what's going on in San Francisco. Uh, Tampa, the whole NFC South is a mess. So I get the argument that you're frustrated I also still think you could you're there's a pathway to get back to the number one seed, get back to winning the division, get back to potentially a Super Bowl, even though I know Aaron Rodgers hasn't been there in a decade. If you were the GM, is it worth putting up with all this because of what Aaron Rodgers can deliver?
5: Oh yeah. Okay. Well, okay. yeah. I mean, because here's the reality. If you're a general manager, what is your your number one goal is to keep your job? Let's be very <laughs> sure, that's let, very true. Yeah. Let's be very honest with each other. Like it yes, winning a championship, no question, but look, you're not a general manager if you're not a general manager. Right. So all of a sudden the Green Bay Packers success has nothing to do with you if you're no longer a general manager. So if I were Brian Gutenkunst or if I was anybody in an executive position, I would be doing the things that are most likely for me to keep my job long term. Uh, and short term, frankly. So what are those things? Well, right now you have a Hall of Famer on your roster. And yeah, you may be able to trade him for an absolute haul. But you better be damn sure that the guy yes. who you are you are grooming in the wings, waiting to take over for Rogers, is the guy. And if he isn't... That you put yourself in position with all the draft capital that you gain in trade to go and get the guy who can stave off your firing for another two years and maybe hopefully get you a championship somewhere down the road. Because that's the reality of the position. You're general manager. Your job title is general manager. If you screw this up bad enough, you're no longer going to be a general manager. So... That's what I would do. I would try to goose his trade value as high as I possibly could and see if somebody can can talk me off of Aaron Rodgers. Otherwise, guess what? If he wants to play still and he's okay doing it for a cool 50-something million dollars, then we're going to run it back with A-Rod and we're going to try to make this work. So while you were talking, I was thinking
6: about the documentary, The Last Dance. And I I'm guessing most people listening saw it, but... It was so jarring to see Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause want to prove that they could do it without Michael Jordan, and I bring it up because what strikes me about this situation is literally the goal of every single NFL team is get the quarterback that is going to put you over the top. Okay, Um, you know whoever you think about how look at how Joe Burrow changed the twenty years thirty years of the Bengals. Overnight with Joe Burrow. Trevor Lawrence. Overnight with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so I get this ego thing of you don't like Aaron Rodgers pushing you around publicly. but the old, uh, And by the way, this all comes with the caveat that maybe Jordan Love is that dude and we just haven't seen it yet. But as you said, you better be darn sure because look at all of these organizations that year after year after year they can't get the quarterback right. Tampa got the quarterback right. Overnight they win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side... Indianapolis for 25 years, the one thing they didn't have to worry about who was, who's under center. We got to put this here, we got to put that there, we got to do this. We got, but we're good at quarterback. And for 25 years, they were a contender. And a- Andrew Luck leaves, and I know it's different. They, they they didn't force him out, but he left. How many guys have they gone through? And they're they're a mess. And now they're trying to trade up to number one oh, to yeah. get Bryce Young. We're going to talk about that later. I just I, I get the frustration that he creates. I do. I would probably be annoyed with it if I was a Packers fan, uh, somebody that worked for the team. But at the end of the day, everybody is putting themselves in position to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and you have him. And unless, Jordan Love, your positive is Aaron Rodgers, I just think it's crazy to get rid of him,
5: especially with as bad as the NFC is. Pride comes before the fall. You know, uh, when Bruce Arians was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I remember there were so many times where he was speaking out publicly about all the things that Tom Brady gets wrong, and I was just thinking, like, what are you doing? Sure. I mean, outing your starting quarterback and and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden Brady retires, and then Arians gets pushed out as head coach, but then makes it sound like this was his decision, and he wants to hire – he wants to name Todd Bowles as his replacement, and he's going to take a job in the front office where he can golf a lot. Like, real, really, we're yeah. going to buy that. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady reemerges from <laughs> retirement sure. to play his final season in Tampa. I mean, it was ridiculous. But it, to me, it was because people were giving Tom Brady too much credit, and it was making Bruce uncomfortable with it. Sure, I look at the same situation happening in Green Bay. Look, I know it's annoying. And I know it's tough hearing Aaron get all the credit for all the things that are happening in Green Bay because I'm sure LaFleur has had a huge impact and I'm sure Gutenkunst has had a huge impact and I'm sure it's difficult to let this guy collect his flowers. But guess what? When you have the guy, don't get too prideful because it get the winter gets really cold on the other side of that spring when it's all over. It can get real, real, real cold out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it's time and maybe... Aaron will make the decision for them. But uh, if I could hang on to a Hall of Famer for another year, I'm going to try to. Yeah,
6: I agree. I'll I'll wrap by saying this. remember about two, three years ago, I interviewed Bill Polian, famous executive, whatever. And I asked him about this specific situation. And he talked about riding to the stadium for however many years, knowing Peyton Manning's your quarterback. And then the year that he got hurt, riding to the stadium, knowing you didn't have number 16 at the time under center, and you just have a pit in your stomach, and and you know, I mean, you you played in the league, you know, like no question. When you, like he was just like you just you're not saying you don't trust your team to win, but the degree of difficulty is that much harder. So something to consider. As apparently the Air, uh, the Packers are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. I'll tell you what, we'll come back, we'll talk to a former just NFL superstar, Plaxico Burris. You can hear him on the weekends, up on game with LeVar Arrington and TJ Hushmanzada. He's going to join us next to talk about this and everything else going on in the NFL. Aaron Torres, Rich Orenberger, in for Doug, Fox Sports Radio.
0: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
5: Paulie Fusco
0: here with Tony Fusco. Yo. Of course you know us as the host of the number one rated Paulie and Tony Fusco show. World renowned. We all know you're sick and tired of these stupid sports shows where the hosts say stupid things like Tom Brady's the goat or LeBron James is good at basketball, which he is clearly not. See, we give you smart takes. Yeah. And we also bring on so-called famous guests from across the sports world and show them why we know much more than they do. You're off the
6: show! Are you serious?
0: Listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. Really quick.
2: you'll have to share that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at with Amex.
6: rich while we do that uh you know interesting coaching carousel to say the least interesting quarterback carousel is is aaron rodgers like the quarterback domino here because you look at the uh, the, the jets need a guy the 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 bucks need a guy the saints may need a guy the panthers need a guy is Aaron Rodgers the 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 one that kind of sets the tone? Is it the draft? what, what is it? What, what what how do we think it all starts?
5: Well, I really think that if say the Jets fell in love with Derek Carr on this visit and Derek Carr fell in love with the Jets, that deal could get done because we're not completely convinced that Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing football next year. You know, it, you're not completely convinced that he wants out of Green Bay after this darkness retreat. So. It's kind of one of those things like bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah, maybe you could get Aaron Rodgers to New York, but what does that look like when he gets there? And also, if Derek Carr's absolutely in love with you and it feels like it's a match made in heaven, maybe you sign the deal. Maybe you get that done. So we'll find out what the first domino is. It could be coming sooner than we think. Could be coming sooner than we think. You know what's coming right
6: now? Joining us on the phone here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Super Bowl champ. You can hear him every Saturday with LeVar Arrington and T.J. Huchmanzada on Up On Game. Plaxco Burris is joining us. Plax, how you doing, man?
7: Man, everything's beautiful, man. How you guys doing out there?
6: We're doing really well. First question for you. So I mentioned Super Bowl champ. We are a week removed from Kansas City beating the Philadelphia Eagles. For all of us that were never nearly as good as you were, Plex, what are the days and weeks after a Super Bowl champion championship like when you're on the winning side?
7: So After you win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, man, it's party, party, party. There you go. Uh, I mean, let's get out there and have some fun, but I think uh, it's more of a reflection on just – you know, the journey of just, you know, trying to get to the pinnacle of the sport of living out a childhood dream. And I think, you know, once you get a few days, a week, two weeks removed from it, it starts to settle in at what you uh, actually accomplished. And, um, you know, it puts a smile on your face. But but once you feel that confetti come down and it's hit the top of your head and your family and your teammates, like you want to get a chance to try to experience that again. And it's so tough to get back, but just to have an opportunity and uh, the pleasure to just enjoy that. Uh, the moment happens so fast that you don't get a chance to digest it when you're on the field. But, man, it's a it's a feeling – at that time where you're just kind of just walking on air, so to speak. And it's something, it's a feeling that you'll never be able to relive unless you're lucky enough to win another one.
5: You have the champ, and then you have a bunch of also runs, and it's really difficult for those teams. I was a part of a Patriots team that lost to the New York Giants the second time around in 2012 in Indianapolis. Right. and. It is one of those feelings, very similar to what you were discussing. Like, how do we get back here? Like, where do we go from here? So, thinking about the team that the Chiefs just beat in the Philadelphia Eagles, thinking about the Bengals, the Bills, you know, you know, thinking about the right. NFC overall, a lot of teams with near misses there. How how do you how do you get back there if you're one of those teams who not only did you, you not get there or got there and lost? But then you have to think about how do you contend with the Chiefs moving forward? And can anybody contend with the Chiefs?
7: Um, I just remember, you know, after going to the training camp following winning the Super Bowl, and you get, you get to the training camp on that first day, and the first thing that comes to your mind, you know what? Can we just fast forward the season and get to the playoffs <laughs> and, get, and get right back to the confetti? But that is not possible. And it always seems that the best team doesn't win the Super Bowl. Early in the season everybody had pretty much crowned the Buffalo Bills to get back to the Super Bowl and the surprising lead from the uh for the Philadelphia Eagles in the season that they had, who I thought was the best team all around in, in, all, in all three phases. But when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and those guys, what they've been able to do, um, it, it's tough to beat. And you're saying to yourself as the, from from the uh from uh Kansas City Chiefs standpoint, You have a franchise quarterback. And moving forward, all you have to do is continue to put pieces around him offensively, you know, wide receivers. Obviously, they have Kelsey who's going to go down as being one of the greatest tight ends of all time. I think he has 16 uh, postseason touchdowns tied with Jerry Rice. Whoever thought we, that, we would see that again, especially from a tight end position. But just moving forward from Kansas City standpoint, all they really got to do is just stack the defense. They have a young defense. They have rookie corners. And all you have to do is get a stout defense and continue to surround him with guys that can make plays. And you have to just say that moving forward for the next couple of years that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the favorite. And I have to agree with them because when well, you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes on the center who is obviously turning into one of those generational uh, quarterbacks who's, probably going to be a lifer. He's never going to leave the organization until the day that he decides to retire that they are going to be competitive and, and contend to win Super Bowls year in and year out.
6: Plax, I want to get to some uh, you know, some current events, but before we do, by the way, Plaxco Burris joining us. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Aaron Torres, Rich Orenberger in for Doug. Before we do, you mentioned the Buffalo Bills and passing their plaques, and, and I'm curious for your perspective, Rich, maybe we cover this at some point before we get off air. Where, where are you at with them? Preseason Super Bowl favorites. <laughs> they come up short yep. again at home uh are you somebody that believes hey we could just run this thing back or do they need whether it's a coaching I I don't know what it is but it was so jarring to see that team get dominated at home in that divisional round not even back to an AFC uh, AFC championship game like two years ago can they just run it back or do they need some sort of overhaul in that organization
7: I think the Buffalo Bills have the team to get it done. I really do. I think that when they got four, they got down 14 points to the Cincinnati Bengals, and I believe that the weather played a factor in their offense, to where you know Stephon Diggs and and jo- and Josh Allen being able to connect and have that rapport and those elements. It kind of took away the offense that they were used to because they're past first offense. And I think the weather, the snow kind of played a big part in what they wanted to do and try to get back into that football game. But once they got down 14 points to the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Cincinnati Bengals are no slouch football team, they're a very good team. And Joe Burrow was one of the top quarterbacks in the world. And they just couldn't overcome the elements, I think, when the, when the elements got worse. They, they really couldn't get into their offense the way that they wanted to. And I believe if, if it would have been a better day weather-wise, I think they would have competed better. But to say that they got dominated, I don't believe they got dominated. I just believe that they got down so early, 14 points, that they couldn't overcome the elements, and, 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 and which happened.
5: Plexco Burris joining us here, co-host up on game. You can hear that noon to 2 p.m. Saturdays. And he's a Super Bowl champ with the New York Giants in his past life. And as a receiver, right? And a receiver who yep. had a quarterback who you worked with for the bulk of your career. You understand how important that relationship is. Right now, right. the Las Vegas Raiders don't have a quarterback. And, you know, if unless you want to consider Jared Stidham the answer moving forward. I don't think that's going to be the case. So, if you're Devontae Adams... And and you're in that 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 uh, that off season where you're thinking, I wonder what direction we are go. I mean, are you on the phone every day with Aaron Rodgers outside of the darkness retreat? Are you trying to get <laughs> him? Get him on the phone right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you are you trying to get him to Las Vegas?
7: I mean, listen, uh, Devontae, when Devontae Adams left Green Bay, he made the statement that he wanted to have an opportunity to contend the world championship. And me being a wide receiver, I'm saying, how the hell do you leave Green Bay and say that you have a better chance to win a world champion in Las Vegas? I didn't I didn't feel that he was being truthful and honest. But now the point to, you know, they, they have an opportunity to land Aaron Rodgers, and I've been telling everybody that is where it's going. He's He's later in his career. He wants to enjoy it. He's going to have some fun in Vegas and, and reunite with Devontae Adams. He has Dan Waller, who was one of the best tight ends in football, and obviously Hunter Renfro those guys have caught 100 balls apiece. Uh, it, it just makes sense to me. Everybody keeps talking about the New York Jets, but it makes no sense for to me for Aaron Rodgers to go to the New York Jets when he has an opportunity to go to Vegas and be, re, be reunited with – Devontae Adams and play with those core core guys. And for the Raiders, all they have to really do is hold somebody to 20, you know, 17 to 21 points. And I believe that if he goes to the Raiders, they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. With Aaron Rodgers being added to that roster and the weapons that he has, it just makes the most sense to me if Aaron Rodgers wants to have a chance to contending to a world championship. Everybody says Nathaniel Hackett and he was the offensive quarter when when Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. I get it. I understand. The Jets have a stout defense. They're young, but moving forward, where he has, where he is in his career, the fastest route for him to get to win another championship is Las Vegas.
6: Last one for me, Plex. Plexco Burris joining us. You can hear him on Saturdays up on game with LeVar Arrington and TJ Housmanzada here on Fox Sports Radio. You mentioned the Jets' possibility for Aaron Rodgers. Just really quick, is the New York media narrative, is that true? Like, is it that much tougher to deal with them? We know Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a different character. He kind of, you know, he's different. He's just different. Would it be That much different for him, considering that at times, especially with the COVID stuff and everything, things have gotten contentious with him in Green Bay. But how do you think he would handle that? Is that overrated, properly rated, whatever?
7: Oh, I mean, it it, it is what it is. New York is an overgeneralized media. They criticize everything that you do, day in and day out, and practice where you go to eat, where you go at, who you're with, and and those uh, those kind of things. But it just for for him to go to New York and the kind of player that he is, I think he he's on a, a on a place to where he doesn't want to deal with that. And, and, and Vegas, him going to Las Vegas makes the most sense to me. And for him moving forward, from a media standpoint, I play with guys who wouldn't come to New York just because of that main aspect, mm-hmm. the media, uh, the scrutiny, being criticized damn out. He can deal with it. To come to New York, you have to have that armadillo skin. You can't have rabbit ears listening to the media, uh, the, the things that they are saying. He's past that. He can survive in New York. And, and you know, not play well and, and and face the criticism, but why would he want to put himself in that position and where where he has in his career? For me, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I have a guy outside who is probably the best wide receiver in the world, Adams, that he can reconnect with. Go play in the dome. You get out of the cold weather, and there's no element as far as you know throwing the football and playing. It just makes sense to me Vegas is the place where he's going to end up.
6: Very interesting stuff. He is Plaxco Burris. Make sure to listen to him every Saturday afternoon alongside LeVar Arrington and T.J. Hushmanzada in Up On Game. Super Bowl champ, uh, Plax, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you for joining us.
7: All right, man. You guys take it easy. Fox Sports
0: Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
6: We want to go right out to the phone lines, bring in a regular here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, he is an NBA writer for NBA.com, Fox Sports Radio, NBA insider. And of course, make sure to follow him on Twitter at Mark G underscore Medina. Mark Medina on the phone. Mark, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, man. Always a fun time in the NBA, whether it's All-Star Weekend or a regular season. Always stuff going on. There is
6: certainly always stuff going on, and we want to start with the news of the day. The, the Russell Westbrook news for people just joining us. Russell Westbrook has been uh, has has signed with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, right before you came on, we got into a heated debate between myself, Rich, and Monsi Bolaños on the impact and, and everything that could happen with, uh, with Russell Westbrook now with the Los Angeles Clippers. Give us the background on how the this came together and how the principals see it working out?
1: Yeah, well, first off, uh, if you need me to referee or, or officiate, let me know. But okay. as, far as, <laughs> as far as how it came to be, it's really interesting because I was talking to some folks in the organization even as uh, recently as this weekend, and they were saying that it was extremely unlikely that Russell Westbrook uh, would sign with the Clippers, even though Paul George and Marcus Moore Sr. publicly uh, advocated for him, and Kawhi Leonard did the same thing behind the scenes. And the reason why they thought it was unlikely because of all the issues that we saw with Russell Westbrook uh, these past few seasons with the Lakers of you know his struggle with adapting to his role, his poor shooting, his poor defense. And I think the Clippers internally felt like we're better off, you know, having two-way players um, and the guys that they got specifically in the trade deadline with Bones Highland and Eric Gordon. We don't want to take away minutes from them. So what changed? Well, the short version is basically Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the Clippers coaching staff advocated for this move. And why the Clippers front office came around is they felt like, hey, their roster is different than the Lakers. They have better shooters, better defenders than the Lakers do. So because of that roster makeup, they can really lean in on Russ's strengths of You know, him getting out on the open floor, him being a competitive, available guy, and also shielding from some of his weaknesses with his defense and shooting because they have other players that can do that. The other thing that changed is they had a lot of conversations with Russell Westbrook and his representatives, really, you know, having real talk about what his role would be. And what that role would be would be up in the air. In the best case scenario, there could be times that he starts and has heavy minutes, but there could be times. He comes off the bench and doesn't have a lot of minutes. It really just depends on how, you know, his play is. But the one thing that the Clippers stressed uh, is that they don't view Westbrook as a third star behind Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They view him as another player on an already loaded roster, and you know i think that speaks from the pr- the practical lens that you know he's on the bio It's not a 47 million dollar player anymore but it's also in relation to their roster makeup that that you know for all the issues they have with their health and their chemistry from top to bottom they do have a lot of depth
5: when you look at what went wrong kind of doing the quick autopsy here on the lakers relationship with westbrook how much of this was Westbrook? How much of this was LeBron? How much of this was fit in that roster? What would you say in in this uh, in this post mortem was the biggest reason why that didn't work in L.A. with the Lakers? Uh, what 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 are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, well, I think everyone deserves blame, but not everyone deserves blame equally. I mean, the the majority of the blame for the Lakers' woes this past year and a half points to the front office and how they constructed the roster, and part of that has to do with adding Russell Westbrook at the expense of some of their depth, as well as listening to LeBron James in the first place. So, you know, no one's blameless here, but even when you account for the Lakers' poor roster and, you know, because of that, not really putting Russ in a position to succeed, I think when it comes to evaluating his time with the Lakers and why it didn't work out, He primarily deserves the blame because ahead of time he knew what he was signing up for, that he would be the third option behind LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and that he would have to sacrifice his game in terms of playing on and off the ball. Initially, they didn't talk about him coming off the bench, but philosophically there was a lot of talk that he would have to adjust his game, and Russ said that he was all about that. And whether it was with Frank Vogel or Darvin Hamm, there really wasn't that willingness to buy in. Maybe this season there was a tacit approval that, hey, I'll come off the bench because I don't have any other choice. But there are a lot of times that he was gaining in the way of what the team needed from him. I mean, the last game of his time with the Lakers, when Darvin Ham tried to sub him out at the end of the second quarter, he was pouting and taking a sweet time getting off the floor. And so it's things like that. So while – he still was a good person behind the scenes and a competitive player, and you give him credit for being available on a team that struggled with that because of all the different injuries. Uh, I think that he also you know, made things a lot more needlessly difficult need, than they needed to. And so even with the Lakers' own set of problems, a lot of this pins on Russ.
6: So, Mark, I don't want to spend the whole time on Russ Westbrook, but one, one kind of last follow-up, at least from me on Russ, is with – like like we kind of know what his limitations are, what he's good at, what he's not. I bring it up to say if this can't work, if he isn't willing to change his game for the Los Angeles Clippers, is this guy out of the NBA next year because I you know, you look at, at what the options were post buyout and I just sit there and say if you're a bad team and you're tanking, this guy is going to play hard, he's going to ruin your chance to tank. And if you're good and we now live in a world where more teams make the playoff via the play-in game, now he's messing with chemistry on a potential playoff team. So this feels like to me, and tell me if I'm wrong. I've been told I'm wrong all the time. Is this last chance saloon for him where if he can't make it work with the Clippers, I could see the scenario where he's not playing anywhere next year?
1: Yeah, I very well could see that. I mean, look, the reality is Russ got a second chance uh, with the Clippers because he's a buyout candidate. He's not a $47 million player. Anymore, And so to some degree, you know, where his career has headed is also taking a nosedive. But now it's about, okay, can he be a positive presence on a team? And the ironic part with Russ is, you know, whether it's the Lakers or any team that he's been on, no one discounts his competitiveness and his remarkable durability, as well as, you know, his willingness to provide, you know, one-on-one kind of leadership, you know, particularly to young guys. All those things are there. But ironically enough, the weaknesses vastly outweigh those positives about you know his stubbornness and refusal to change his game and you know limit his his mistakes whether it's turnovers or bad percentage shots and so you know the Clippers to a man would be will be the first to admit they don't know if this is going to work. But what gave them some relative comfort is that if it doesn't work, they can pivot. There's no attachment to him. He's a buyout candidate, and you know they can say goodbye after the season, but it's also after having these very real conversations with them as well as the team itself, that he is not third star on the team. He'll have to be ready to accept a role. And I think the greater great unknown is that to some degree, Russ already had these conversations with the Lakers when he signed with them. The context a little bit different because of his salary number and he was considered the third star, but He has said things about, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice my game, but then once it plays out in real time, it's not so much the case. Maybe he accepts the role as far as minutes and coming off the bench starting, but as far as his ability to adjust his role just hasn't been there. So we'll see if the fact that the Clippers have a better roster in terms of shooting and defending – can offset that or if it's going to be the same old story with Russ but with all that I really think that this is his last chance to salvage his career.
5: Mark I'm going to read you a couple of quotes before we scram here that was the worst basketball game ever played that's all-star game losing (laughs) coach Mike Malone Uh, uh, Jalen Brown called it a glorified layup line I mean if the coaches and the stars who are playing in the all-star game don't seem to care why should we?
1: Yeah, it's a good point because even within the context of three years ago, when they changed the format of the game with the Elon rule, where you know you had to reach a target score after the third quarter, that created created more competitive moments, including last night's game. But still, prior to that, no players were defending; it was a glorified layup line, as you mentioned that Jalen Brown said. And so, yeah, it just seems like no matter what the NBA does to try to create competitive competitive enhancements that it just seems like a marketing ploy um so i don't know what the solution there is other than to scrap it completely but the reality is the nba is never going to do that because they want their kick and they want to be able to eat it too so i guess you know maybe the only the only source of comfort is knowing what you're signing up for when you're tuning in that you're not going to get a good basketball game you might have some fun Highlight real moments, whether it's Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going up against each other or some random lobs, but in between is just a lot of bad hoops.
6: Real quick, um, for people who haven't been following the NBA, I mean, obviously the the, the big news of the last couple weeks is is the Kevin Durant move to to Phoenix. You know, and a lot of the sports books, he, uh, Phoenix is now the uh, uh, Western Conference favorite. What what other kind of narratives and storylines outside of KD? Obviously, uh, you know Russell Westbrook. We just talked about what what else should people be following here as we enter the second half in a couple days.
1: Yeah, well, I think the other parts is just the, west, the rest of the West. It just feels like completely wide open, whether it's the Denver Nuggets trying to show that they deserve to be in championship contention along with Phoenix. Obviously, Kyrie Irving still with the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic. Can the Lakers make a playoff push now that they traded Russell Westbrook? Uh, so there's a lot of storyline. Like past seasons, there doesn't seem to be any prohibitive favor in either conference. So on one hand, that can make for a lot of more parity and competitive games and kind of the unpredictability and unknown appeal to, you know, most casual fans and diehard fans. But there's also not that, you know, favorite team that a huge fan base will root for and other fans will root against. So, um, so far, it has helped the league as far as their viewership this year and their ticket revenue. But I know that in other years it has been good for the league when there is that dominant dynastic team because you see a lot of excellent play and you know all the 29 other fan bases root against that team
6: he is Mark Medina NBA Insider writing at NBA.com and of course our Fox Sports Radio NBA Insider make sure to follow him on Twitter at Mark G underscore Medina Mark we appreciate the time we know we'll be talking again soon thank you Mark I appreciate you guys be well
4: from BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast